Hi, I'm Thomas. And this is Robbie. And this is Megan. And you're listening to The Drop, Believe in Runs podcast. So welcome to, I think we're at week eight. Does that sound right? That's correct. Yeah, week eight of the podcast, which is insane because they said it could never happen, and here we are. And what do we do? We talk about shoes, running stories, geek out on what's happening in the running world, pretty much everything from industry professionals, all of it, just wrapped up in a ball where we talk about it, riff on it, and chit chat. So in this episode, we're going to interview Richard Kuczynski, trying not to butcher his name, I'm not sure if that's correct, who is a shoe designer and a graphic designer and general shoe geek. We'll get in get into it with him. And then Robbie, what shoes are we talking about this week? So we'll talk about the Asics Jonimbus Light number two. And we'll talk about some running gear as well from Rabbit Running, our friends out there in California. They got some winter gear that we're stoked about. And then we'll, get, then we'll dive into the Boston Marathon, the postponement. We'll talk about that. And also uh, an update on Tommy Ribs. Cool. So why don't we get started like we always do and kind of give a recap on what's been going on with our running this week. Well, last week, last weekend, yeah. you... Oof, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> you don't want to? Okay. I mean, we can, we can. We did a, we did a 5K time trial. And, um, you know, I feel like I'm finally getting back from the injury. Like, it's been dragging on all year. But I feel like I, my body's starting to get back. I don't think the speed has come back with it yet. So we did the 5K time trial. And it was actually my second 5K time trial and I beat my other one by like six seconds or something it but counts. it counts count it um and I thought the whole time I'm running it I'm like well at least I won't have to do this again anytime soon <laughs> um and uh and yeah. this was for your like Boston yeah this is for the Boston 5K. challenge yeah it's a 5k 10k and a half marathon virtual thing um so I did that and I was like I won't have to do it again and then of course ASICS is doing the I get in project that we have put two teams together so we have a fast team for bitr or believe in the run and then we have what we call the spaz team i'm on the spaz team with robbie and, and a few others jared <laughs> with the wife but um and so anyway i was going out and it turns out i'll have to do a 5k for that so i'm gonna have to go out and do it again which at first i was kind of bummed about but now i'm kind of like hey this is good i do feel like i could do better and yeah, I ended up running a 21 minute, was it 21 or 22? I think it was, I don't know, like right around. Right there. at 22? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was right at 22. Uh, I think Robbie was running, he ran a 21 by accident, just kind of hanging out with me. It was a um, good day. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I, in February, I ran, uh, you know, a 5K, I, I forget. I forget the time of that one too, but it was down there in the 21 range. And I was like, coach, I know I can do better. I didn't really push it all. And then I, to come out here and do this one, I was like, I gave everything I had and I was just gassed. Yeah. I mean, it was also like humid that day. And yeah, we can come know. up with excuses. <laughs> we can come up with excuses. <laughs> that's, how, that's what we got to do, right? There's yeah. some hill. There's a yeah. little bit of uphill. Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, it's, I'm actually, I'm taking, I'm looking at it the positive way, like coming back from a long injury and just things being wonky. It felt good to just try to push and, and get back into that thing where your lungs are burning and your legs are churning. Why don't you tell people custom. your secret to curing your hip? Oh, well, I've been, I, I've been taking Epsom salt baths 
every day. Has it been like it, it improving? Works. I tell you, it works. And <laughs> Not then, really. I swear, because you know, we were up at Theodore, and Alex had said that he has this guy that for four hundred dollars you can go see him. Apparently, he'll fix anything that's wrong with you. And he's like, if people would just take an Epsom salt bath every day, and I was like, that I can do. So I bought like a went to Amazon, bought a big thing of Epsom salt. And just soak in there for half an hour. He's actually, meditating. he's sitting in a bathtub right now. Yeah. Um, besides. <laughs> I'm luxuriating. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Man, maybe I might have to yeah. try that up a little bit. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, the rest of the week has been pretty good because um, it's weird. I, I feel like I've got one gear because then I run like a 10 mile run this uh, on Wednesday. And like I'm, I'm dropping into the low sevens for some of the paces and I'm just like, Okay, I can go t 10 miles at the same right. pace I can do um, 5K. the 5K. So it's just a matter of getting that speed back up, I think. Yeah. But it's been good getting miles on shoes. Robbie, you crushed a pseudo 5K time trial. Yeah, I mean, by accident. I, I ran with you, Thomas, yeah. and Meg, because Meg was pacing uh, the first two miles. And I was like, oh, this feels like pretty easy. And it was like a seven, mile, seven, yeah. eight or yeah. seven, yeah. ten pace. Low sevens. And I was like, hmm. I was like, the last mile, I thought I'd kick it. See how it was cool. Yeah, it was like a mile and a half, actually. I think you kicked it because, like, you start up and whenever Omar chase, caught us, yeah, yeah, right around there, yeah. you chase chase down another runner, and um, wasn't a real five k, but we had like five of us running it. Yeah, well, the, one, the one dude running, yeah. ran like a five thirty. Yeah, we had somebody like, run the seventeen, 17 minute in uh, basketball shorts. Yeah, we didn't see him after the first half mile. Yeah, now I see him every day on my run, like That's every awesome. morning when I'm out. Um, anyway, so yeah, Robbie, you, you turned up the heat and you kicked it in. I mean, I, and I'm going to say it's still my favorite shoe of 2020. It's not going to change the endorphin speed by Saucony. It's yeah. like, I love that shoe. And I'm not saying that's why. Why over but, the pro? Uh, well, I like this, the speed just because there's a little, there's a little more stability. Like okay. the pro is like very like squirrely to me. Um, I feel like it has a little more give. Yeah, it definitely has a little more give. And but the pro like definitely would have worked for that. Yeah. Like I just wasn't sure. Like we were because we were running like ten miles total. I think that day, yeah. so I wanted to like use the speed, which can do kind of everything. What I like about the speed over the pro, the pro I feel like if you're gonna wear it, you got to go out and you got to run fast. Yeah, I like the speed because you can put it on. You can be like, I don't need to have. I don't need to go fast today. Yeah, and the next thing you know, you you start picking it up and then you're running really well and i think that's why people love it it's a crazy shoe and running. my and we ended up doing 10 miles total that day yeah. and my legs felt perfectly fine the next day yeah. and i haven't really been running like 10 miles yeah. like on the weekend it was kind of weird because we were we were going to do a two mile warm-up the 5k and then a two mile cool down and it just turned into five mile cool down yeah five mile <laughs> that cool wasn't down. even a cool down yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah it was a fun day anyways uh anything else from you meg uh, I don't think so. What are you wearing this week, shoe wise? Are you just dabbling in a bunch of different? Yeah, stuff? tried out some of the new Asics shoes. Um, I actually put on the next percent for my speed work on Wednesday because I hadn't worn that shoe in so long. It still feels pretty great. Yeah. It's still one of my favorites. Now, when you say a couple of the, we can't show pictures of it yet. They're under embargo, but we're running in the Glide Ride Two and the Evo Ride Two and from asics yeah, yeah from asics and i really i really like the glide ride it's a surprising shoe because it's not the lightest shoe and it's kind of it feels stiff and stuff in your hand the feel of it in your hands is not the feel of it on your feet okay cool so yeah i mean i don't want to talk about it too much yeah but we're gonna get arrested by yeah. the <laughs> but see, i do just already like uh 
did did you ran the Evo ride too today? What did, what did you think of that one? Yeah, they both surprised me in a good way. Oh, good. It's so, good awesome. to hear. Yeah. So look forward for the, to those reviews Very in the coming months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll probably be able to get that one out in a couple of weeks and talk about it on the show. Yeah, but speaking of Asics, let's roll into our shoes. Mm. The Asics Gel Nimbus Light 2. Yeah, I, totally I, different looking shoe yes. than we've seen from Asics in at any point. Well, the the original Nimbus Light, they basically just took the Nimbus Upper, yeah, and put it on the cellulose nanofiber uh, midsole flight foam. What is that nonsense? Yeah, it's yeah. the whole like eighty percent recycled. Uh, no, that's the upper. The the midsole just has. They, I don't know if we have an exact percentage, but oh, the up, but the upper is yeah. Yeah, and um, it's. So I feel like the first one was kind of a tester mm -hmm. and it was super soft, but it, it really was similar to the other Nimbus. So yeah, the Nimbus 2, uh, the Nimbus Light 2 is pretty different from, I mean, both the Nimbus Light and obviously the Nimbus. It's lighter. It feels good. Like I, did, I ran in it today in the rain and it just has a really nice cushioned bottom. If you like something like a Hoka, or um, I mean, just something on the softer side. Mm -hmm. The weird thing was, you know, I did striders at the end and it's not that bad for going fast. Like, I think that people are gonna dig this shoe. I think, I, okay. I think they're like, do you like the styling? Yeah, I mean, I like the midsole styling for sure. Uh, I haven't run in them yet, but I just like put them on to walk around in. And I think the upper, Felt maybe a little stiff. It reminded me of the Razer, the new Razer 3 Plus. Okay. That upper. Yeah. It's like there's a little bit wider toe box, more room in it. But see, um, I, I actually think it might run a half size too big. So mm, they're going to send me okay. a size 10 because mm. normally I wear a 10 and a half. And maybe I, your feet are just shrinking. Maybe it will if they got wet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it did feel like there was a little extra room in the toe box that I wanted to kind of take down. People are wondering if it's going to be okay for a wider foot. At least the toe box seems pretty generous. Um, and overall, like we talk about the styling, I know you can't see on the podcast, but it's got a really modern looking upper. Uh, it's like a mesh knit upper reinforced in a couple of places by like heat welding and that kind of stuff. And then the midsole is the um, flight foam that we were talking about, which is a softer, uh, material and they've gotten to the point where they can kind of change the durometer of that midsole so this one's going to be a little softer than the Kayano uh, light that we just reviewed which you can go see that video on uh, YouTube cool. right now and it's also written on the site and um, yeah it's a, it's a pretty slick shoe I think it looks good I think it looks a positive direction for where ASICS is going into the future so checking in here for the first time, you know, we don't always do our warm-ups before our runs that we should be doing. So if you skipped yours, make sure that you're relaxed, loosen up those shoulders, shake out your hands. Maybe make sure your body's a little warmed up before you start kicking it into high gear. Now, moving on to some gear, we got in some rabbit running winter apparel this week. No, winter is relative because they're from California. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> and we've always loved their gear. It's like I believe it's made in California too. Most it's of designed it. in California. No, I think it's like made. I don't. Know. I don't. We'll have to double check that because I, I when I went to go look at the Swiss jacket details today. Yeah, 
says designed in California. Uh, okay. I know some of their stuff that used to be made in California. They might still be. It just might depend okay. on the product. Anyways, all that to say, very comfortable clothing, great uh, run team over there. Yeah. They're super involved. If you've seen their ambassadors and things like that. Yeah, I feel like Monica has a very good sense for feel. Like she goes, yeah. the first thing I'd say about Rabbit Gear is it's usually soft, mm -hmm. comfortable. Yeah. And that kind of stuff. So if I was going to say one thing that comes out about the clothes is, is the, the touch of the fabric, like when you feel it. I would just like to confirm manufactured in Los Angeles, California. Okay, would you look uh, up the Swish, Swish jacket and see if that's... Uh, it says, we are damn proud to say that all of our products. I, I'm happy for that. Now look at the Swish <laughs> jacket, which just came out. So it's new because uh, it doesn't say made in California. It says designed in California which is usually the code word for uh, not, but anyway, okay. yeah. the, the fits don't always work for me. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I go back and forth like okay. a, so sometimes they're a little snug, uh, sometimes they're a little baggy. The jacket, the Swiss jacket, mm -hmm. I really like the feel of it. Again, that fabric is really nice and light, it's made. Now, it's a water resistant jacket, right? So it's not fully waterproof. Yeah, I would say water resistant. It's so hard to tell when you're running because you're sweating you're on the inside. Yeah, yeah. even it's, if it's a waterproof yeah. jacket, you're it's just like, like I'm still difference? wet. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's even grosser because it's my own sweat. Exactly. So I wore uh, not rabbit, but my John G. rain jacket on the run this uh, morning. Yeah, and I washed it a couple days ago, and I guess the soap was still in there. Oh, no way. <laughs> so oh my gosh, you like oh, That's awesome. That's hilarious. <laughs> the, yeah, so I, I wore that jacket today. It It's nice and light. It does, when I say California winter, it's not something that keeps in a lot of heat. So um, it's more for that wind resistance, but like it was, it wasn't that cold. It was like 50s, but raining and wet and damp. Mm -hmm. And like I just had a singlet on underneath of it because in 50 degree weather, oh, yeah. it's a short sleeve shirt or whatever. Sometimes I don't even wear a shirt underneath a jacket if I'm yeah. running in. And, well, this one you might want to because you'll be able to see your nipples through. <laughs> yeah. Even better, you're welcome, <laughs> Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it does a nice job. The wind resistant part, the water resistant part works. Well, I, I love the uh, merino wool long sleeve that they sent us. Mm -hmm. I yeah. forget the actual name that of it. That I'm wearing right now. But it's so soft and it's actually like really warm. Like I was wearing it around the house and I was like, I'm kind of overheating in this thing. Yeah. But well, that's the thing. Like I would say this paired with the jacket would probably work well for an insulation layer. Uh, on this one, this one fits definitely a little bit on the snugger side. I wear a medium in everything. And I would say this one is pretty, pretty form fitting. Yeah, so the, the fit of it is uh, this particular shirt. If you're on the edge of medium and large or on the edge of small to medium, I'd probably go up a, uh, go up a size just because okay. it is form fitting. Uh, anyways, Meg, any other thoughts about Rabbit? Uh, no, I also love the wool long sleeve that yeah. we got. I also got a really comfortable hoodie. It's, nice. I mean, I love Rabbit yeah. here. It's all good. What's the consent? So what do they say about the jacket? Everything on there says crafted in California. So crafted. I imagine it's the, it's the same as everything else Even they the manufacture. Yeah, it it says that. Okay, yeah. let's hope so. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway, one thing I didn't mention about the jacket, it's partially made from recycled copy beans. That's the weirdest, like, that's the weirdest recycling thing I've seen yet. Yeah, well, I like, I don't even know what that is. You means. know, I had my coffee before my run. <laughs> and then you had it on I put my, my coffee on during the run. And then actually today I even doubled up and had a, uh, like, a coffee. 
before the show to get my energy up. Yeah, you got to yeah. keep that energy levels yeah. up. Keep the crowd energy. <laughs> Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> As everyone's falling asleep. Didn't you get a um? Didn't you get like a quarter zip or a three quarter? I zip? did, but I haven't worn it yet. So wow, how does Robbie do that? Like that was like a week ago, wasn't it? Or was that a couple no, days like, ago? Two days okay. ago. You, I cycle through. Time. I cycle through all my rabbit stuff already. I've worn the jogger pants. Nice. They make me look really skinny legged. Yeah. Yeah. Like a toothpick. Yeah. I was walking toothpick around. Toothpick Thomas. It, it looks like a, a line drawing of me. <laughs> yeah. um, so let's talk about the stories of the week real quick. Bum, bum. Number one story, another Debbie Downer for 2020 slash 2021, the Boston Marathon. This next April is postponed again to at least the fall yeah they're not even picking a date which makes me even more nervous because that feels like it's not happening well think about it you'd have it it'd almost be like all of the majors would take place next fall mm -hmm. it's set up for an amazing challenge imagine you get to run like run all chicago like, boston tokyo New York. germany yeah. or berlin berlin what is it london berlin tokyo new york and boston did they add one? Were they going to they add did one, add one, one China more? Or something? It was like, I think it was like Beijing or something. Yeah, like I mean, but think about that travel. I feel like, like we're missing. We're still is Chicago one of the majors? Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So that's there's three in the U.S. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you just need to like pay a lot of money, and then they're, they're like, yeah, we'll add another one. <laughs> oh, Abbott, Abbott, <laughs> Abbott's like, how much you got? You want to be a major? Yeah. Um, no, I'm sure that there's some sort of like you can't be like. Duluth Marathon and be like, I'm ready to be a major. I know, but imagine like, so Beijing or who, I think that's the new one. They they added a seventh one. Imagine you just finished your six <laughs> major marathons. You like have that rack on your wall yeah. of the six medals. And then you see the email the next day. And yeah. then you gotta, gotta go to Beijing. You're flying to China, <laughs> whether you like it or not. Uh, people are obsessed with that stuff. But the, the, like the one thing that I think would be great, and I, maybe Boston doesn't know, or the Boston Athletic Association doesn't know, is how does this affect qualifiers? Like, how are they going to roll this out? Like, there hasn't been marathons to qualify for Boston during this time period, really. I mean, maybe one or two, but. Uh, do you think they could do two runnings in one weekend? Like a Sunday and a Monday? I mean, hmm, that'd be interesting. Because think about it, you're going to have like two to three times the amount of qualifiers as you normally would over the next I mean, year. the course is set up, hotels are paid for, but I mean, think about the logistics of staying there if you had 100,000 people. Yeah. The thing about turning it over too, like like oh. turning over a whole course in a 12 hour, 12 hour time. That I think they could do. They're pretty well organized. Right. Like if you look at like Chicago, for example, Chicago is an insane undertaking. That has, uh, it's like fi almost 50,000 runners. They have it super well organized. It all takes off at the same time. So there's no wave start. It's just, I mean, yeah. there are waves, but they all start at the same time. Like The thing is, too, like, who would go on what day? That would be a whole thing. Like, well, do you run Sunday or Monday? I would think that you, the, the slower qualifiers the go on Sunday uh, and the elites stay on Monday. And that way, if you, it, here's a business reason I would do that. All the people would stay to watch the elites. The elites. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to make more money for the city, you do Sunday 
and that everybody gets their hotel. They stay on that Monday so they can watch the elites run. Mm. They're going to spend money at the yeah, now I mean, open restaurants and, sense. and gear. Okay, BAA, we figured it out for you. Yeah. Just Matter of fact, ahead. you're going to shut down okay. for a week. <laughs> Everybody's going to get yeah. to run. Talk to Big Room Media. We got you. Right, we got you. Okay, well, moving on to some other news. Yesterday, did you guys see this? Yeah. Um, I guess it's sort of uplifting. I showed the photo to Thomas, and he's like, so, ah. Yeah, so it was Tommy Ribs, who, let's be honest, if you're listening to this podcast, you know who he is. Um, let's hope you know who he is. Yeah, you know, former ultra athlete, now craft sportswear athlete, all around insane dude. Yeah, incredibly, right, right, during the, fit right during the COVID outbreak, um, early on, everybody thought it was COVID. He started coughing up blood on a run and, and it turns ended up out, in the hospital. Turns out he had stage four lung cancer, I think. Yep. It's, it's just insane. And so he finally post, did a post yesterday, like, of his... Um, on his own volition, I guess I should say, since really when it started. His brother took over. And man, like, I mean, he showed a picture from the hospital, it's pretty rough. But the what he wrote is awesome. I mean, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but. Yeah, paraphrase. Um, basically just like thanking everyone for being there and just that he's felt everyone's energy and love. And if you've ever read his stuff before, he's like very poetic mm -hmm. and, um, but like not in a bad way. Some people it's annoying. <laughs> he actually does a great job of it. Like country singer poetic. Yeah, and it's like really like you very rarely get to see inside someone who's like on that brink of life and death where you're like coming in and out of it. Like you're mm. so close to the line and it comes back. And he kind of writes about that. And it's he it says he uh he lost seventy pounds. I mean, he was a rip dude, but he was, you know, he, he was, was like lean. He didn't yeah. have yeah. Any, he didn't have anything to lose. Yeah. Like that's got to be all muscle. I mean, he has to weigh like under hundred pounds. That's what I'm thinking. Hundred pounds. It's crazy. Like all that weight though. Like he was like skin on top of sinew. Right. Like it all has to be muscle that's gone. Yeah. I mean, he said like he can barely like barely moves at points, and his chest just feels like it's. I mean, how awesome is this comeback story going to be though? If ribs can get back, and even if. Even if he could just complete a marathon, I don't care if he does it in Olympic Dude, if he can complete times. a 5K, that'd yeah. be incredible. I mean, knowing him, he will. He'll come back. I know, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be an insane story. Yeah. And then there'll be a movie written about it. I mean, that would be, I hope so. That would just be yeah. amazing. But anyways, if you haven't, head over to his Instagram and check it out. Um, and I have to say, and this is, yeah, I don't want to, in, in no way, uh, when you first see the picture, mm -hmm. and he shaved off his huge beard, which is, just part of his character. He kind of looks like Freddie Mercury. Oh, he does actually. Yeah. I mean, that's not the best picture of him, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. About yeah. It. Well, when I saw the picture, I was like, I couldn't even like piece together like who it was. Like, I know it, it's him, but like just seeing, I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's uh, pray for his family, pray for everybody coming back and just positive thoughts for him. And, you know. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to our guest of the week in this next segment. All right, so I'm here with Richard Kaczynski. Am I saying that right, Kaczynski? Yeah, that's right. Oh, wow. I, all this time I was like worried that I'd be butchering that. <laughs> you never know. All right, awesome. And I mean... My experience with Richard is through Instagram mostly, and 
uh, I just felt I wanted to have Richard on because he's kind of a kindred spirit to what we do. And it's always interesting because there's a, like we had Brian Metzler on last uh, Metzler on last week, and he's comes from growing up running, just kind of falling in love with running shoes throughout. And I come from it later in life. You know, I was a gearhead and in skateboarding and then golf and then running. I gave up golf for running and, and skiing and snowboarding and then just really fell in love with running shoes. And you are clearly in the same realm of geekery that we're all in. So can you give us a little background information, like how you got into running shoes? Sure. Yeah. My uh, story is actually a little bit, I would say backwards than most people. So instead of actually getting into running shoes from running, I actually got into running from running shoes. Uh, so I'm a designer, I'm a shoe designer, and I've been a shoe designer now for almost 20 years. My background is industrial design, and I kind of got into shoe design early in my career, almost kind of by accident, but you know, I definitely as a kid always loved shoes, but I never really considered it as a career. Uh, but essentially got into, into footwear design a long time ago, and then uh, had been designing running shoes for a long time before I even ran like a step. Uh, and then I had uh, at one point one of my first clients when I started my own consultancy uh, as a running shoe brand uh, and a really passionate founder and, and that was kind of my entry to to running shoes and like literally the first meeting with him uh, I was down in Florida he made me like run around barefoot in his parking lot <laughs> he had like, a barefoot kind of concept and I hadn't run at all like let alone running barefoot um, so I was you know working with these guys and then um, yeah that kind of entered me into the world and I saw sort of how much passion there was and I mean obviously I liked the gear and figured hey if I can design good running shoes without running I can probably design even better running shoes if I do run so I might as well you know test some products test my own designs test some competitors uh, and that got me into it and now it's it's kind of totally come full circle like it's you know my life in so many different ways I mean I met my wife running I obviously still design running shoes I now also design a lot of race kits and shirts and medals and stuff for races because I was running in races that I didn't like the stuff. So it's kind of like all, all connected. Like if I'm, if I'm definitely not running, I'm doing something, thinking about running, designing for running, run, designing running shoes, kind of you, you name it. Yeah, and we're kind of parallel universe there. Uh, you know, on the other side of our business, Big Run Media, we also work with races and, uh, you know, I've designed a few race shirts for, for marathons and stuff as well. So we share a passion on the design side too. And I think that, you know, you're talking about the shoe company that you may have first started doing uh, work for. That was, I'm going to guess that was Scora. Yeah, that was Scora. Yeah. And those I mean, that shoes, wasn't the first design, but yeah, that was, that was one of the first ones I was mentioning that I, um, you know, started with, with uh, the barefoot running thing and, and started on my own consultancy. And those had a, a beautiful design. I think that one of the things that set them apart was the design of the shoes like you looked at competitors to them would have been vibram five fingers you would have had uh you know vivo barefoot you would have had merrill trail glove but there was a really unique design by score and i think because it was so cool looking it got adopted into the crossfit uh world very easily um and i still think it has an iconic design and uh, i think you did an amazing job on those Oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it was a really great product to, to work on a great brand. I mean, I helped build the brand as well. And, and the whole kind of concept was, you know, doing something differently in every way possible from a brand point of view, from a product point of view, from a marketing point of view. And yeah, like I said, to see, you know, the, the passion that people had not only for running, but then ultimately for the parts that I designed. 
it was kind of crazy. Like, literally, there's more than one person who has a picture of Scora shoes tattooed on them. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And like, Are they good tattoos. Uh, <laughs> no, not, I didn't do the tattoos. But, right, that's what I'm saying. You could tricky. You'd be like, oh, they got the last one a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I think that is phenomenal and mesmerizing for me to watch is some of the sketches that you do uh, on your Instagram feed and how quickly you can kind of, I don't know how many lasts you've drawn in your lifetime, but uh, like I, I went to art school. I, I went to, uh, you know, I did sketching and stuff like that. The consistency and the quality of your sketches as far as uh, just really quickly drawing up a last and then kind of putting together the shoe parts on it. it it's fascinating for me to watch. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like anything else. I think it's, it's a practice. Um, I mean, like I said, I got into shoe design 20 years ago. So I've basically been drawing shoes for, for 20 years. I have no idea how many uh, <laughs> at this point, but I've probably brought to market uh, maybe if not 100, probably, you know, pretty close in terms of designs. Um, but I'll still remember, like, the first time I actually drew a shoe was the night before the interview for that job. It was a job uh, for, for Power, part of the Bata group. Uh, and I'd never drawn a shoe in my life. Uh, and somewhere, I think maybe those those sketches may still be around. And and I have seen them actually. Like I went through a box in my parents' house, like you know, a, a long time ago, uh, and I, I caught a glimpse, and they were terrible. So, so I mean, it's it's continual improvement, I guess, like anything else, you know. As a designer, though, like in any way, sometimes it's very rare that you look back over you know ten years or something, and you see something that you're like, you know what that that was really good. And when you do, you're like, wow, I, I, I nailed that one. But most of the time you're like, yeah, I've gotten better, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, that's a funny thing I always find within the industries because you're working so far ahead. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm working on some designs now for spring 2022, and this is actually a really rushed project. I would normally be starting this project like six months before, or maybe even a year ago. So if you're working two, three years ahead, by the time the product actually comes to market and people are talking about it, you know, whether they love it or hate it, you've kind of already lived with it and like kind of moved on and probably moved on to like, you know, two or three more different generations. So it's not only just that you see all the flaws and all oh, this could have been better, this could have been different, but like your mind space is not even in the same yeah. kind of, uh, kind of area that, that you were back then. So it's almost as if someone else has designed it when you're looking back and like, Oh, what was I thinking? Or like, what was cool back then or something? It's, it's really, it's really weird in that way. Yeah. Well, and currently right now, the way that technology is moving in the shoe industry to, to have something that has a two year window, things can change so rapidly. I would imagine that even something that you're working on now could potentially get scrapped just because in, you know, a new phone comes out or, uh, you know, everybody's like, we need, you know, a knit upper on this you know it's like can be anything yeah i mean it, it totally is a moving target uh and i mean that's one of the things actually i like the most about it because you know you never have to worry as a designer that like oh i'm going to use up all my good ideas because there's going to be something that initiates you know a new idea for the next project whether it's like you said a new material or a process or even just you know a fashion trend like oh Purple is super hot right now or whatever. Um, so, you know, I just kind of always look at it from a point of view of like it's a moving target and like that's what makes it fresh. 
because some people honestly have asked me like how can you design shoes all the time doesn't that get boring like you've been doing it <laughs> so long like they're all kind of the same i'm like not really <laughs> yeah I, it, it's funny even on uh, i mean you you probably look at as many shoes as we do you can kind of, there's a fingerprint on the designers at different houses like i can tell this team at Saucony is working on this project. This team's working on that project. Even within one brand, I can kind of see. Okay, I know who's. I know where these are coming from. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, my experience, you know, definitely. Like, I know a lot of the people in like larger brands and stuff. But I mean, my experience is obviously a little bit different because I I've worked either in smaller brands or obviously like as a consultant kind of right now. So I often get to like do everything so in that way even i kind of find this interesting in terms of like what you can accomplish and you know how do you even translate let's say a concept from a sketch to like an actual shoe because normally yeah many people are going to touch it you know between a designer or a design director and then development team and then sales and then marketing etc um and all those different fingerprints you know definitely leave a mark um but i mean like you saw with scora when you kind of have a singular sort of vision i did all the design i did all the development i did even all the marketing and packaging and the box and the hang tags and whatever um you know some of that purity i think is kind of what made the design also stand out because it, it was just like me basically yeah super <laughs> clean um so tell me like other than score what would be the process when somebody comes to you and wants to work with you as a consultant on a shoe or i mean like, how do you, like, function as part of the team being an outsider? Uh, I mean, it really depends. Uh, and that's sort of my standard answer when, when someone, you know, calls me. Because it depends ultimately on the project and on the client. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of work with startups, you know, like, like Scora in the past, where they basically need everything. You know, sometimes, like, they don't even know anything about shoes. Like, what's the last? Uh, where do I start? Um, and you know, I need to come in and like advise maybe even on a, from a business point of view. Okay. Well, this is, you know, how much money you need kind of call me later to the short conversation, <laughs> um, you know, or like, you know, help them do the, the, the line planning and then, you know, developing their collection and then the design and the design brief and all that kind of stuff. And there obviously I'll, I'll kind of provide a full range of complimentary services. Other clients that are obviously, you know, bigger corporation, they work with, you know, all, all the big ones, you know, they obviously have that in place and they don't need me to do that. So, it, you know, they might come with a very specific design brief and say, okay, this is it. This is where it fits in. We've done our research. We talked to sales. Uh, this is the price point, the costing team did their whole thing. Uh, here's the tech stuff. Um, you know, we just need the designs and then we'll take it from there. Just give us the tech back. But it ultimately depends. I mean, you'd be surprised even on some of the larger or mid-sized kind of companies, how they, often will look at an outside designer and, and still kind of get the full package because they can kind of like silo stuff off, right? So you get that different kind of point of view. So I might do design and even development. So they'll send me the samples directly from their factory or I'll be in touch with their suppliers um, to kind of really, you know, pass off a almost finished product in the end. So here we're back to check in once more. And right now I want you to do something that may be harder than it sounds. Make sure that you're being present. Focus on what you're doing right now. Don't worry about what you got to do later in the day or what somebody said to you last night that you're coming up with a rebuttal in your head for. Just stay focused. Enjoy the moment. Look around you. See the scenery. Feel what's going on. If you're on a treadmill, I got no hope for you. But if you're outside, take a look at the trees, the sky, the buildings, whatever. Distract yourself. 
Don't distract yourself, concentrate on your breathing. Just be here right now. Is there a particular brand or something that you really like working with? Uh, I mean, every project I would say is kind of unique. Uh, for me personally, I really enjoy the, the startup uh, kind of companies where it's just the process is just so kind of raw and it's, it's, it's again, it's usually a lot kind of smaller scale in terms of like there's less people involved and less decisions. Like, um, so you can kind of really put stuff out there. <laughs> less, less revisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Less revisions. And like, I don't know, I guess it's like a, for a smaller company, you can take bigger risks. Right. Um, so you can just kind of try stuff and it's not focus group to death or like, you know, got to go through so many levels of approval. Like, know some some bigger companies you need like six guys just to sign off on like if you use the logo correctly yeah um whereas other times it's just like hey i got a crazy idea and the founder is the guy maybe the only guy who makes the decision he's like yeah cool let's, let's do, do it, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so in that vein you know you, you're sitting there you're designing a shoe and you're obviously looking at what's out there so like some of the times that you know, watch a video or something, you're breaking down a current model that's out. So it's not two years in the future, it's the Nike Tempo or, or you know, next percent, something like that. And you're looking at it, it probably, unless you're involved with the development of it, it's new to you unless you're seeing some prototypes or something like that. Um, it's new to you technology and you're taking a look at it and you're going, okay. And you're stripping it apart. Like we look at it, you know, when we review a shoe, we're looking at it from the average runner. How does it feel on the foot? How does it feel for performance? You know, do we like all the way down? Do we like the look of it and the color and all that kind of stuff? You're, you're probably dissecting the shoe in a little bit of a different way. Like when you get a new shoe, what is the first thing you start breaking apart? Yeah. I mean, firstly, you know, I come at it, you know, very much from, in a way, still sort of the every runner kind of point of view. Like I, I buy all the shoes that I, you know, have been lately reviewing. Uh, and honestly, I'm reviewing them because I bought them and I'm running in them and I liked them or didn't like them. That's sort of why I started doing these videos just because like, you know, I, oh, I spent 250 bucks on this shoe and I <laughs> kind of hate it. I feel like telling someone about it. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like it. I'm not really trying to provide, you know, necessarily buying advice to everyone or say if it's the right shoe for, you know, you or anyone, but it's like, this is what I think for me. Uh, and obviously looking at it from my point of view, you know, from the background of being a shoe designer, um, you know, obviously it's a little bit of a unique perspective, but I'm seeing it for sure new for the fresh, uh, for the first time, but obviously maybe a little bit more informed. Like I have, I just was looking at it today as I was doing some new designs, you know, on my computer, maybe 40,000 photos of shoes that I've been basically just kind of randomly collecting over the last pretty much 20 years. Um, just, you know, when something catches my eye. So I also maybe will see something in a current model that's like pulled from the past or was tried before in some, you know, super random shoe, um, that didn't make it. I've got like whole boxes of shoes that like I've, chopped up in the past and sort of seen what's on the inside. And I mean, I'm not chopping up these, you know, tempo next percent. Like I said, I paid 250 bucks for them. But, <laughs> um, um, that's, that's Canadian though, right? Yeah, no, actually I think, yeah. Yeah. yeah the 200 us, which is still like, you've been in this game for a while, $200, like for a daily trainer, like we're hitting a new mark where right? there's a new water level. It, I mean, it, it totally is kind of crazy. And I was actually even thinking of saying, oh, maybe I should like sell them. And then like for, you know, only 
I don't know, whatever it is, like a hundred bucks or 75 bucks more, I could just get like another pair of the vapor flies or something that like, for me, like is, you know, way better shoe. And I would actually rather just train in those or like speed work in those or whatever. But anyways, that's another story. Yeah. Have, have you tried the alpha fly yet? Uh, I have, I have. Yeah. I've run a couple of marathons in them already. So the alpha fly compared to the tempo while they're similar, like almost like cousins, it's, it's vastly different. Yeah. I mean, my experience could not be any different. I wouldn't say like I super loved the Alpha Fly. My initial impressions were not great. I got blisters the first few sort of like runs I did. Um, but I definitely find it, it works for me and then kind of still has some of that, you know, wow, bouncy feel. The the tempo was, like I said in my videos, like running in like rain boots. I just like, I found it clunky and crazy loud. And like, honestly, it's one of the first shoes I've been disappointed in, like so disappointed in such a long time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm pretty it's picky. weird because I'm schizophrenic on that shoe. Like one day I'll go out for a run in it and I'll be like, this shoe feels great. I like it. It's got pep. It's got bounce. It kind of almost reminds me of, you know, the lugs in a, in a Newton or something like that up front, uh, that energy return, lift, lever, repeat, whatever they used to say. Um, the, and, and so I dig that. And then the next day I'll go out in it and it just feels totally disjointed and, and cobbled together. And I'm like, which, which personality of the shoe is the right one? Yeah. I mean, that's the difficulty I find in this shoe. I mean, again, aside from like, yeah, all the different parts and stuff that maybe don't work, you know, you know, simultaneously, I find it's not an easy shoe to run in. Like it's not just like throw it on and don't think about it. Um, and it will work kind of no matter what you throw at it. And I don't know if that's really kind of a category that a lot of people kind of go into reviews wise of like, is it easy? Cause like, well, I don't know, what does that mean? Yeah. But like my, my favorite go-to before, before all this has been the, the, uh, Flyknit Zoom Flies. Yeah. I have like, I don't know, 10, 15 pairs of them. I just like, every time I see them at the outlet, I'll just buy like all of them. Um, and like that shoe, I just find so easy. It's like you could honestly, some of my pairs, I don't even like lace up. The laces are gone. <laughs> and so you just like slip it on and you can go and you can throw fast stuff in it, like long runs. Easy I, I also run. find that shoe polarizing. It's like funny because <laughs> I have friends that swear by the zoom fly. And for me, the zoom fly is a little bottom heavy and a little bit stiff but i mean for the experience that you're getting you're getting a carbon plate with react foam and uh you know i, I would have guessed that in you buying the tempo you're like well this is only going to be better it's got the zoom air in it and everything else and a little more zoom x than the uh zoom yeah and, i mean i'm a big proponent also of like the upper being a key part like it's often kind of not really talked about in the equation but like um I didn't like at all the upper on the Zoom Fly 3, but there was like all so many layers and stuff going on. Uh, and I love sock fit. Like I've been running in sock fit shoes since, uh, I don't know, some of the old like Nike Freeze and stuff like that. Um, and one of the shoes I did at Squaro was a sock fit. So I was like, oh, I do, it's the best thing ever. Um, but did you, did you run in the Lunar Epic High? Uh, I, I have a couple pairs of them. I don't, I haven't done a lot of running. I found them like kind of too soft and stuff. Oh. Um, but for kicking around, I, I love. But that's, that's like one of my all-time favorites for for running, really. Yeah, I just felt like the when you talk about an upper being perfect. Yeah, that one felt. I forgot about the upper, and it just felt like the bottoms of my feet had, you know, <laughs> different kind of tread on them. Like it just was seamless. Yeah. Like when I lifted my heel to move forward, it just the whole shoe came with me. 
like I, I just I love the way that one kind of melted together. Yeah, that that true it is one of my favorites. I mean, like I literally have a pair almost always by the front door. Those in like the um, the the uh, I say the Nike Free four point or three point. I can't remember which one's which, but yeah. um, but I thought that I thought those uh, the Tempo Next percent was kind of going to be similar because it has that sock fit upper and um, eh, it was just like <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I mean, again, you never, you never know. I mean, I generally like to run in Nikes just, I don't know, for no reason. Like it's not like they pay me or I get free shoes or anything like that, but I find it works for me. But I like recently, for example, I got a pair of the uh, Saucony Endorphin uh, Speeds. Um, and I wasn't expecting, like, I've never run a Saucony in my life. I wasn't expecting that much. I've heard good things, but you know, you never know. Um, like those I found actually much, much more close to the Flyknit uh, Zoom Flies having that easy factor, like, yeah, they're fast, they're bouncy. You know, the upper is not a sock fit. That's my main criticism, but uh, it's kind of more traditional. But they just, like, felt like you didn't have to worry about them. Like, they just felt great. And, like, I don't know, it's it, it's surprising how, like, even though you could say that the, the Tempo Next Percents have all this much more technology and, like, design and stuff in it and, and whatnot, and sometimes simple is better, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that shoe is is – leading the way I, I think it's very popular with most runners but also with our team we really like the endorphin speed it's funny because we were we were talking earlier on the show um that the reason i think that shoe works so well versus the, the pro is because the pro you're intending like if you go out with a pro you're intending you're i'm going to run fast today and this is a shoe for it it's the lightest it's got the carbon plate this is a shoe and we all tend to like the speed a little bit better because it's one of those shoes you can go out in and you don't have to have any expectations. But before you know it, you're just rolling along and maybe you're hitting some really nice paces without feeling a ton of effort. Yeah, I haven't tried the Pro yet. Uh, again, I've heard good things. Um, uh, and I would actually consider it, I think the price point actually is similar to this Tempo Next Percent. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like I say, that I just, I just, I just want more of those like, flying at zoom flies if anyone has any pairs <laughs> send them to canada i'll, I'll pay the duties <laughs> uh, that's nice yeah i'm sure i'm sure you know hopefully nike's listening of course and they'll just send you some just yeah. a box together for you <laughs> so when you when you sit down to design a shoe from scratch for yourself here and obviously you're running in other people's products and seeing what you like and, and i'm guessing that you're going to say that when you design it you want that sock like knit upper on uh, elastic feel um, on top of your shoe. Where do you start with the design, and and how how do how do you how do you start the creative process? Uh, it's it's funny because there's so many factors involved, and one of the first things I always believe in, even though in a way it's kind of like super not sexy, is like if I'm designing, I'm talking now designing for like a, a client, is the strategy and the positioning. Um, cause I think trying to figure out, you know, what a product is and why it should exist has to be the foundation for kind of any design. Cause it's kind of basically the way that you can kind of judge if in the end you've achieved the kind of goal or not. Right. Um, and again, there's different shoes for different reasons. You know, some shoes are obviously, yeah, you can say kind of, you know, for different types of running, like more tempo work or race day or like track stuff, whatever. But I think even beyond that, there's a, a more strategic kind of point of view that I try to look at in the, in the design process to figure out, okay, well, what does this represent for the 
for the brand in terms of like, is it more, you know, uh, leading edge? Is it more, you know, mass market, you know, commercial? Is it more, um, you know, fashion? Is it more performance? Because especially within, you know, what they call running shoes, like if you look at all industry reports or whatnot, or, you know, the wall in your local running shop or sporting goods kind of place, there's so much there from, you know, shoes that are running shoes that no one would ever run in, right? Um, they're just basically, you know, sneakers these days, I guess you could say, <laughs> you know, to stuff that's obviously, you know, much more specialized, like, like we were, you know, talking about. Um, and, you know, as someone obviously deep in it, and like I said, seeing all the other, you know, stuff that's come in the past and, and knowing what's out there in terms of like, what the runners are using or, you know, what's being used by elites and stuff. Um, I think that positioning has to kind of be considered, you know, I can like draw obviously anything just for fun, but like it was an actual project. I think that has to be kind of done first. Okay. So you've got the brief now they're saying, okay, we need a daily trainer. That's going to be our above the economy. This is our second tier daily trainer, little, little special. <laughs> where, where do we start? Where do we start the, the design process as far as do we look at, Hey, they said that this, is going to be the midsole material? How do I shape it? How do I make it look interesting? Or are you starting with the upper? Like where, where do you just get going? Um, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I'll just like kind of like do a brain dump. Uh, I mean, to kind of like really simplify the, the process, like obviously it can depend on every project might be a little different in terms of like, you know, um, yeah, this is all about showcasing some new technology or foam or kind of whatever. And that would lead that project. But I just, in general, sometimes like to forget, you know, almost forget everything I just said and like, just like kind of sit there with a whole bunch of papers. I'll just buy like literally like a giant box of like 10 reams of like printer paper or whatever, uh, and sit there with a Sharpie and just kind of like, just like kind of visual diarrhea, just kind of like let it <laughs> come out of my wow. head. Just like, you know, little thumbnails and not thinking too much about anything. I'm not thinking about even materials or construction or price points, kind of like make some lines and, and then like basically lay up all over my floor and kind of see what, what, you know, has something to it. Right. Just like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. Or like, you know, filter it back through like, okay, what are the specifics of this project? Um, to kind of like see if there could be something there. Cool. So of the shoes that you have designed, is there one that you're particularly like, this is, this is pure Richard Kaczynski here that, <laughs> uh, that you love? Um, I mean, definitely some of those, those scores, I, I would have to say just because they are so pure, like I, like I mentioned, like, you know, I was literally the one doing kind of everything on them. Um, and I mean, I love them from different points of view, maybe not to run in. I've like run in some of them kind of recently and like they don't work as much as, you know, for me as, as they used to, because maybe I'm a different runner kind of thing. Uh, or I'm, you know, more used to like, obviously a lot more material and stuff like that. And cushion. <laughs> cushioning. But honestly, actually it's funny. Like I still find, you know, every now and then if I'm feeling like a little bit like tight in IT bands and stuff like that, but throw on a pair of like zero drops, super minimal, like, you know, eight millimeters, uh, thickness shoes and just do, you know, whatever an easy, like five ten K, uh, it fixes everything. Like, you know, I can go to like the physio or whatever, but like that fixes like everything. Well, I'd agree with you there. Like one of the reasons I like having the access to the shoes that we have is that, you know, you can go out and there, well, cause we'll get in trends. So we'll get, everybody's doing a really super soft cushiony shoe, like a Hoka. And yeah. then, you know, 
then taking out something that's closer to a race flat or something like that after like three days of running and that stuff. And you're <laughs> like, oh, that, that's, that helps. That I, didn't, I don't need so much cushioning every day. And then vice versa, I'll get like all these things that are, you know, like firm and, and not that uh, cushioned at all. And you can't wait to get your foot back into, you know, something to take a little pounding off you. Yeah, I mean, there's, there is so much variety out there. And that's, again, something that I always love. And, you know, people say, like, oh, all shoes are kind of the same. Like, you know, there is, in that way, no such thing as, like, a perfect shoe. Because there's so many little things. And it could be just one tiny thing, like, oh, this, like, shoe's really good, but the tongue keeps on sliding around or something kind of like that. Exactly. Right? Um, and you think by now, like, how many millions of different styles of shoes have been designed that it would just kind of be constantly evolving. And then finally it would be, okay, now we're done. It's all perfect. We've perfected it. <laughs> But it doesn't happen, right? It, no, marketing won't let that happen. The, yeah. um, the, but, you know, I try to compare it to, uh, and for some reason, I always come back to wine. Like, for most people, box wine is going to do you just fine. You know, you go get your Brooks Ghost, and you don't need to try other shoes. That one will do most of the stuff you need. But then at a certain point, maybe you're like, you know what? I know I like wine. I want to try some different things. I want to try it paired with food. I want to try it paired with it. And you start getting into the nuance and why one bottle makes a difference from another bottle. And the more you get into it, I feel like with running shoes is there is that kind of depth. There is that kind of like, I can slide my foot into a shoe and I know what it's going to be like to run in for the most part, like right off the bat. So it's, that's where when you say like all shoes are the same and stuff like that, I think, I'm guessing with someone like you, you correct me if I'm wrong, and me, that know that there's these nuances that make your run better or worse depending on just like slight things. Like I, I, I tell people, I love a gusseted tongue. Put a gusseted tongue in your shoe and you've already got points. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I mean, this is kind of what I was saying kind of before in terms of like what led me into running and what's, you know, kept me there. And now kind of everything is kind of like, you know, got that synergy between, you know, my designing and my running is like, you know, I know there's tons of designers, shoe designers out there that are not runners. In fact, I would venture to say majority are not right. I mean, you know, maybe my jog around the office or something kind of like that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, the fact that I, you know, put on typically, I don't know, whatever, a hundred kilometers a week or something kind of like that on, you know, just whatever, not my shoes, but just like shoes in general and have run in, you know, every kind of weather, you know, my last marathon was like a torrential downpour. Um, and you see how the materials react and this and that. And like, yeah, that informs, you know, the design process. And I think makes you a better designer and, you know, maybe even makes me a better runner because I can also then choose my shoes better because I know some of that kind of stuff behind it. Um, but they all go hand in hand, right? And you do know, yeah, sometimes what shoe works within 10 minutes and, usually that's usually that's right and i don't know but uh you know the experience definitely is, is part of it right yeah well you were talking about running in the rain there with the um last marathon when, when was that um so that actually was technically not my last marathon that was uh that was for my boston virtual marathon okay uh, i called it the boss toronto <laughs> okay yeah did you get yeah. to do uh was that a, a real course um not real it was real in my head okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no, like the, the city here in toronto they've uh, closed sort of uh, some major roadways you know because of covid to kind of give people more physical distancing space 
So there's a stretch that's been closed since, I don't know, the summer. And it's about uh, 6K or so, like one end to the other. It's like four lanes, like, you know, nice. So I, I set that as my Boston course, like uh, almost four times back and forth on that. Oh, okay, just like um, Ilya Kipchoge there. Yeah, exactly. And well, actually, the first time I did my Boss Toronto thing, uh, again, just, it's not a real thing. I just made it up. Um, <laughs> it, was, it has a t-shirt for sale, though. <laughs> it, it's not for sale, but there was, there was a t-shirt I designed, yeah. Um, um, I actually did it in April when, like, when Boston was supposed to be on Patriots Day because, again, I had like been training for it and was supposed to go to Boston. And on that one, actually, I did a looped course. It was a 2K loop in uh, Hyde Park here in Toronto. Um, and just again did it solo i set up like my own little water station like mini cones and stuff like that so i had like my own like elite table uh, and it was just for me like there was no one there no one showed up like nothing like that um but i picked not so wisely i had like 280 meters of elevation on that one so nice. um it was a little more flat the second time in the rain uh it, just uh, a month ago or so i guess but um yeah, I don't know why I do this to myself. <laughs> we, we would have actually potentially had a chance to meet in Boston last April. It, unfortunately, yeah, things went different. And we just talked earlier on the show again about how uh, the Boston is being at least postponed until fall of 2020. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Which, if this happens at all, who knows? And also, are all the majors going to be like right on top of each other? We don't know. But yeah, no, the reason I was asking about the raining one, the rainy day uh, marathon, though, was one of the first kind of epiphanies I had in, in, you know, with reviewing shoes and looking at why things are designed the way they were. Um, you know, I, I took a look at the next percent that you don't particularly love with the uh, vapor weave um, upper. And I did a test, so I, I got them both wet. And I took the knit and the vapor weave. The vapor weave picked up a little bit of weight, but the knit picked up like at least an ounce and a half of weight just from soaking the, the top. And I was like, well, that, that would make a huge difference in the performance of the shoe over uh, a marathon. So I was wondering if maybe you chose wisely that day. And <laughs> even though you don't love the... <laughs> No, that that, uh, that one in the rain, I was wearing the Alpha Flies, actually, which, again, same sort of idea. I think the Adam knit is, is yeah. a lot lighter than, like, I'm not sure how it compares to the, the vapor weave, whatever, on the... Well, it would be water. hydrophobic because there's nothing really to soak in the water. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for sure, my previous, like, go-to has been the 4%, uh, the, the flying at 4%. Um, and those, yeah, those get soggy, uh, for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, another thing, though, definitely speaking about that, I find weird, though, is because on both the Alpha Fly and the Next Percent, though, now they don't have removable insoles. So when they do get wet, they stay wet. You can't dry them out. Yeah. Well, have you ever used a peat foot dryer? Uh, no, I just basically, like, you know, take out my insoles and, or, you know, shove yeah. these in old these, This stuff. is one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> when I was running the Trans Rockies run, and they gave out, like, swag. And one of the things they gave us was these uh, peat foot dryers that are like little pods. And you plug them into the wall. Oh, and yeah. You yeah. slide them in the shoe and it has like radiant heat and it just dries out your shoe without destroying your shoe. And I probably use them more in the summertime than in the wintertime because of like sweat. Oh, yeah. But it totally takes care of it. Totally look into them. They might even be Canadian. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, hey, we're going to wrap up here with a couple questions. And uh, first one that I'm going to give to you is. Um, 
if you weren't working in the running industry and designing running shoes, what would it be that you'd want to be designing? Beer. Beer, beer labels or beer itself? Um, can I say both? Yeah, you can say both. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So you're going to get into that athletic brewing kind of uh, model. Start doing Well, I actually have done some beer labels, some like official beer for races and stuff, but uh, I was actually thinking more of the beer it itself. Like I, I've never done any home brewing or anything like that. And I wish I had the time for that, but um, yeah, that, that'd be cool. Yeah, I've run with a guy who actually, you know, he decided he wanted to become a brewer. So he quit his day job, went out to California, UC Davis, where they have a program, a master's program, Justin Beerbrook. And he, he did that. Now he owns a brewery here in town. And the beers are pretty spectacular. But, you know, he, he decided to just give it all up and do what he wanted to do. Nice. Yeah. All right. So second question, all-time favorite shoe, running shoe. I'm trying to think of something else aside from the, the flying at the uh, zoom flies I've already talked about for like 20 minutes today. <laughs> well, I mean, if that's it, that's it. Uh, no, another, well, another favorite actually, and it's coincidentally maybe somewhat related, I would say is the, um, uh, what's it called? The, it's another, it's one of those old, something that she would fly in, not dragonfly, uh, from back in like the two thousands. Um, God, what's it called? It was like a based on a sprinting spike, but it was like a fashion kind of shoe. Uh, it was like super narrow. I have like again, I have like three pairs of them downstairs. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I can't, I can't uh, even guess at that one. I'm trying to figure out where you, which one you're talking about. All right, I'll, I'll circle back to it. Not the Mayfly, but it was, it was around the same kind of time. But or around the Mayfly time. All right. Yeah. The um. All right, and so if you could take one midsole and one upper from two different shoes and make the perfect shoe. And I feel like we're going back to flying it. <laughs> what would it be? Uh, actually, I'll definitely, I'll pick the upper that, that you said, the uh, Lunar Epic. Um, I, I really like that upper. Um, and for outsole, hmm, I'd actually have to pick something, again, we're talking like running here, right? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Unless you want to go get Doc Martens. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's see. No, I'm thinking of something like that's you. Like you said, it is almost perfect, but um, I'll tell you what I've seen of that shoe. Uh, yeah. One of the guys that worked at Nike, and I, I can't even share the picture, but he had the Lunar Epic upper on the next percent. Uh, oh yeah, little outsole. Oh, okay. Oh, so it was almost like the uh, like the elite version, like the Kipchoge one sort of thing with the soccer. Yeah, but I mean, it looked, first off, it looked super fly. And, <laughs> and two, knowing what I know about that upper, that it, like, for me, just molds to the foot and goes with it. Yeah. Like, that's, that would be amazing. Because the upper on the, on the uh, Vaporfly, it's kind of, it's a little janky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, I, that's what I would pick, though. I would pick the, that upper on the, uh, the Flyknit um, um, Lunar Epic upper on the Elite version of the 4%, the first cool. one. The Perfect. One. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, final thing, and this one's more, you know, for you here, is what would you want to promote, or is there anything that people should be doing, following you on Instagram, give us handles, all that kind of stuff? Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you need some shoe design, <laughs> you know who to call. 
Uh, or if you also have any uh, flying and zoom flies that you want to send, you know, uh, hook me up. Um, but no, my Instagram handles are at Arkachinsky and at Directive Collective. And actually what I've been looking for mostly recently now in terms of like, you know, not promotion for myself, but like, you know, where I want to kind of be is the next score up or the next, you know, startup shoe brand. So, you know, I know there's somebody out there that's, you know, a shoe geek just like us, you know, a runner just like us who has this idea. Hopefully they also have the money. <laughs> Funding um, is important. <laughs> you know, a rich uncle or something, you know, who yeah. knows. Um, but, you know, really kind of wants to create that perfect shoe that we're talking about that doesn't exist yet. Because um, I still believe, you know, maybe that there's not a, an ultimate, you know, perfection, but like you can always kind of keep getting there. Um, that's what I'd love to kind of be in touch with. So awesome. That's well, always what I'm looking for. I really appreciate your time. And it's always fun to geek out with another person that, you know, loves, loves this like weird obsession of mine yeah. as well. So I really appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. Thanks for having me. So final check-in and what we're going to say is take the feeling that you have of accomplishment of doing this run and apply it to the rest of your day. Just realize that you've gotten this out of the way. You should be in a good mood. You should feel accomplished. Just apply that to everything else you're going to do today and knock it out. So hopefully you had a great run or you're still finishing up on that run and you're going to have a great run and uh, we'll check in with you next week. All right. And now we are chatting with Adrian, who is our sports psychology consultant. So Adrian, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so today our question is about motivation and when you get up in the morning and you know there's no races on the calendar and nothing really, no big goals you can shoot for, what can you do to get out of bed and stay motivated to get out there? First, first things first, this is normal. Um, if you have a pulse, basically, you are going to struggle with the ups and downs of motivation because it's just not realistic to be on all the time. Like I actually had this conversation with one of my pros literally yesterday uh, about the skies are gray. There's not any races going on. There's goals, but they're, you know, definitely longer term. What do we do? So there is, depending on kind of where you're at uh, with your training, with your life, uh, you know, so on and so forth. The first thing I recommend looking at is, okay, go back to the very beginning and why do you run? Why do you enjoy running? Um, because I think if we start focusing too much on the competition piece, which is great, but if it's not available um, and, not, and there's not anything near or tangible, it's kind of hard to get up and train for a marathon yeah. that's in next November or something like that, nor should we. But this is a time to kind of go back and re-examine, okay, why, what made me like doing this crazy sport in the first place? And maybe I need to be mindful of that. That's one strategy. Another strategy is to um, kind of, let me try to think the best way to phrase this. I apologize is think about, okay, how, you know, you probably won't want to do it on the front end of the run. And it may take, you know, sometimes it takes people 30 minutes to just 
to just get enough uh, wherewithal to just go pick your shoes up off the rack and go. But normally, how do you feel after a run? That's a good thing to kind of, you know, throw into your thought process when you're in that early morning deliberation. Uh, That's an important thing. And also consider is motivation and commitment. I think I've talked about this before are different is you want to think, okay, am I committed to, you know, my health, my fitness? Am I committed to just getting a little bit more out of myself every day? That's going to make it a little bit harder to skip the run. And all else, all else fails. I say this tongue in cheek, caffeine. (laughs) Nice cup of coffee. There's research on it. So anyway, that's kind of, you know, I think, you know, at least three quick hits and something we're probably going to do anyway, drink coffee. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, that's, that's kind of a good place to start. My favorite thing is just like, okay, why am I doing this? Uh, and we want to kind of think beyond the initial resistance of, it's just like, why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, obviously, there's something that it gives back to you. So you want to tap into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I know, like you said, sort of that feeling after the run is what you want to think about before going out there. And I think that's probably what gets me out every morning because I just, the rest of my day, I just feel better. Yeah. You just feel like we just, you know, if if you have my job, you feel a little bit more in control uh, (laughs) by by doing that. Because I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you guys and everybody listening is I had one of those days today. I had 10 miles on the schedule by myself, easy pace. It's raining and about 40 degrees. Oh no. So I was just like, okay, is you're going to feel so much better for knocking this out because there's nothing better than kind of walking in, you know, to the office or whatever it is, you know, just going back home and homeschooling your kids or something like that, knowing Okay, I was kind of a badass this morning, even when I didn't want to. Heck yeah. And I feel like even when you're out there in the rain and the cold, while it kind of sucks, you still feel like you said like a badass. Like I'm out here and everyone else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You get past like the initial, you know, first mile or two and get the groove. Nine times out of 10, you're not going to regret it. Right. Cool. Okay. So. The three things that people want to do if they wake up in the morning with zero motivation is tap into your why. Tap into your why. Harder to harder to bail. Okay. Uh, kind of project yourself kind of to the end of the run, or at least just kind of think about the rewards that the act of running uh, can give you. And also, we want to kind of think, okay, commitment versus motivation. What am I going to commit to? What am I willing to commit to today? Right. And, you know, that may be, depending on what's going on in your life, you may just need to get three miles in or 20 minutes. But if that's what you're willing to commit to do, to do you go from there. Cool. All right, awesome. Well, thank you, as always, for your knowledge and wisdom. You're welcome. Yeah, this is one of my, this is becoming one of my favorite topics, um, I guess, because I've just been so inundated with it in 2020. I'm sure. So uh, great question today, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed the interview with Richard. And 
the shoe and gear talk. Uh, if you like this episode, make sure you subscribe if you haven't yet. And please give us a rating because that will help us bump us up in the standings. Um, but other than that, Thomas. I'm going to say, hey, once again, let's thank Nick, our producer. For sure. Nick Sanchez. Thanks a lot for putting the show together for us this week. And uh, I'll just say this is Thomas. This is Robbie. And this is Megan. And we'll see you next week on The Drop Podcast. Absolutely. Go ahead and subscribe right now. <laughs> <laughs>